And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 174. Happy to be with you. Happy to be live on Facebook. Uh, proud member of the Education Podcast Network and also Voice Ed Radio Canada. Thank you so much for tuning in. No music tonight. Sorry. I, uh, I left my equipment that I have, uh, the microphone and my ear, earbuds and all that uh, at school. I'm in the home office here tonight and uh, I left that. So no music tonight. So I do apologize for that. Uh, it is show number 174. Excited to meet Kyle Anderson in a minute. He is the author of To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking. We're going to uh, meet Kyle in a moment out in Nevada. He's got a great story of, of, of coming from Michigan and all the things that happened to him on his journey uh, to, to get to where he is and in education and writing, um, athletics. So a lot there. Uh, I met Kyle on his podcast, the Beer EDU podcast. Uh, and in honor of that, I am going to have a beer tonight, Kyle. If you're watching and you want to run and get one, I am going to have a beer. This is a Allagash beer. Uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit with Kyle about uh, that beer and that type. So uh, I do want to thank today's sponsor, uh, Havsies Cookies. Here they are. Marada 15 is your discount code. Uh, and check them out. I took some out of the freezer tonight. When you do get these shipped to your house, they come in a vacuum sealed packet. But check these cookies out. Havsies Cookies, Kyle. You've probably never seen anything like it. Look at these. Havsies Cookies. Um, they are literally a half a cookie. But look how thick they are. Look at all the chips in there. They're phenomenal. Uh, have a great relationship with David. Uh, and his company has these cookies. So this is the discount code. If you are watching live, Marana 15 and uh, take a look at their company. You have to send somebody uh, cookies. You want to send a gift. Uh, they ship, right? They, 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 you, you, you buy them. They're vacuum sealed. Uh, they come in a nice padded pack and uh, just phenomenal. Got great reviews from David uh, and his company there. So have these cookies. Thank them. Oh, I thank them for their sponsorship. And again, these are so good. I want to show one more time. Check that out. Very cool. Has these cookies. So thanks for the sponsorship. All right. We're going to meet Kyle in a moment. Risk taking is today's topic. Um, and again, school leader, educator, parent, it happens, right? You have to do it. You want to be smart. You want to be calculated. Uh, but I was talking with Kyle off air. Tonight, the Yankees are playing the White Sox in Iowa at the Field of Dreams. And I watched the pregame show and I just, I got filled with emotion thinking about that movie. I've watched it with my parents. I've watched it with my own kids and the risk that the guy took in the movie, right? He almost lost the farm. Uh, and I know it's a made up movie, right? But you talk about dreams and risks and, and how you have to take risks to follow your dreams, right? Whether it's moving, Kyle, again, moved thousands of miles away from his family and started a new life, right? It, it was a dream, but it was a risk. And I got emotional thinking about that movie, Field of Dreams, um, and, and just thinking about that. And again, the mowing down of the corn, people thought he was crazy. And and even the movie set, they decided to keep it. And now it's become this thing. They built another field there where they can have real games. And uh, really just what a great segue to start the show. And uh, if you're watching live, Tell us what you think about that movie. Tell us a, a risk that led to a dream in your 
in your life. And uh, we'll see about getting you part of the show uh, here. So let's bring Kyle into the show here now. Uh, and hopefully all this technology will work. Bam. There he is all the way from Nevada. Kyle, welcome to Education, Leadership and Beyond. Anders, thank you so much for having me. This is um, an absolute honor. And um, I got to say, I got to get in on some of those have these cookies. Just well, seeing those things. I got to get in on some of those. As you as you being part of the show here, that's going to be your thank you. Uh, I know you got your kids there and your wife uh, and your home. So that is going to be a thank you gift. Uh, for oh, you wow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully, amazing, hopefully you'll uh, you'll like them and uh, use Murata 15 for your next order. Will do. So, but yeah, again, thank you. This is an honor to be here with you tonight. Cool. And I know you're usually on the other side of the mic hosting your podcast. Uh, and before we get to our questions and conversation, Kyle, did you watch Field of Dreams? Is that something that we're about the same age? And is that something that as you, as a kid you watched? Oh, absolutely. So that was I was a big baseball fan. I'm still a big baseball fan. Uh, I'm a suffering Tigers fan right now. They haven't been real good last few years, but um, it is exciting. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is about to break not only 500 home runs, but also 3000 career hits. So he could become the first person to hit both of those in the same season if he could pull it off this year. So, but no, that was a movie I watched as a kid. And of course I watched the Sandlot and rookie of the year. So no, if it was a baseball movie, I watched it. And then same with hockey movies. I watch all those too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I got so filled to thinking about the movie and then again, the risk of it. Um, but Kyla, you know, you're, you're an author, you're a podcast host, you're an educator, um, and, and you got a lot going on. You're starting school out there in Nevada, correct? Yeah, we actually started with students. Um, we are recording this on a Thursday, and we started on Monday with students. So I've had four days with kids already. So wow. um, August 9th was day one with students. So um, it's it's warm. So, you know, testing our air conditioning units in the school a little bit. And uh, some days it's okay. Some days it's getting a little warm with 40 kids in the room. But Wow. It's been a year and a half since I was with full classes in person. So that first day, there was a mixture of just excitement, just beyond belief. But then there's also that apprehension of like, we haven't done this for a while. So um, that the apprehension starting to wear off a little bit, but the excitement's still there, especially now that we're starting to dive into what we're going to be doing throughout the year and starting to get the note of kids a little bit more. And then um, I'm a special education teacher, so I was able to go track down kids that I have on my caseload that I didn't get to meet last year in person wow. because we were virtual for pretty much the whole year. So I was able to go to their classes and find them and meet them in person, and that was a lot of fun as well. Wow. And what's the vibe, Kyle? Are people afraid? Are they thrilled to be back? Are you wearing masks? Are you not wearing masks? What's the vibe there? Uh, we are required to wear masks, and then um, – teachers are required to either upload proof of vaccination or do a weekly COVID test. Yeah. So I uploaded my proof of vaccination and then I got selected for a COVID test. So, but I didn't have to go to it because that was a glitch in the system, but, okay. and then all students are required to wear masks K through 12. Um, so we did a thing in the spring where um, the younger kids didn't have to wear masks, but uh, that Nevada is a hot spot again. So yeah. we're really high on our, case numbers again. So they're just uh, an abundance of caution right now um, with the the mask wearing and then uh, social distancing. It's it's not like it was in the beginning, the six feet. And frankly, with 
3,500 kids in a school, social distancing is not going to be achievable. So um, we just have to be really careful about um, any symptomatic uh, type things. If you're coming to school with symptoms, that, that's a big no-no. So stay home. Uh, we have to be very diligent about seating charts. Uh, so if somebody does test positive, that we can contact trace and get everybody squared away so we can try to be as safe as possible. And so far, four days in, we have not had a positive case that was announced or anything. So knock on wood with that. Uh, hopefully that keeps up. Yeah. Okay. And Kyle, you, you're just teaching under about 20 years. You've, you've been at it a while. You mentioned going to find these kids with the changes being reinvigorated, coming back to school. What's something that you're going to reframe, maybe do a little differently? And what's something that you're looking forward to? I can't wait to do this again. Well, it was something that really started before COVID really, but especially during COVID was to keep kids engaged is really working on that social emotional piece where not spending a whole 85 minute block of time on content. So taking time to be aware of social and emotional learning. And one of the things that my co-teacher and I do, we start every class out with a joke battle. It was something that we did in virtual just to kind of hook the kids and get them going. So we both have these corny dad joke apps on our phone. So we pick a joke of the day and then we each tell the joke and then we have the kids vote on whose joke was better. And, uh, <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun. Um, you get the laughs, you get the groans, you get the absolute crickets if it's a really bad one. So, but, but it's a lot of fun. It gets those kids hooked in. And then we even have kids then ask if they can tell a joke yes. as well. So, yes. and one of the kids that I had last year, uh, a student with Asperger's, he was a kid that didn't really interact with people at all and really struggled with communication. And as the year went on, he was telling the joke every day. And then it got to the point where now he's one of the most talkative kids in class. So his, his parents told us that he was night and day compared to what he was before. And this was in virtual learning. I can't even imagine what it would have been like if we were in person learning. So that was another reason like we need to keep this going because how many kids can come out of their shell doing yeah. something as simple as telling a dumb joke? I love it. Good for you. That's funny. All right, here's one that maybe I'll share. Let me know if you win with it. You ready? What do you what do you call a teacher who's afraid to pass gas in public? I don't know. Oh, here comes my dog. Don't knock my table over, Ruby. Uh, a private tutor. <laughs> that is a good one. So, so see, my, see if you my, win. Let me know if you win. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to use that one. The, my one that won today, uh, I beat my co-teacher today, was uh, did you hear about the man who had a broken hearing aid? Well, he didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, in addition to teaching uh, and writing, you host a podcast, and I haven't had a beer on my podcast before, and I'm, I'm having one tonight. You host the Beer EDU podcast with your friend Ben Dixon. Tell me about that concept, beer and education. How did you get rolling with that? So Ben and I met five, six years ago, maybe longer. I, I can't even remember, but we met on Twitter. He is in Reno, Nevada, which is about 450 miles north of where I am in Las Vegas. And we just kind of hit it off uh, on a philosophical level, connecting professionally. And then as we got to know each other in and whatnot through Twitter, 
we started to realize we had a lot of common interests. Uh, we're both into beer. We're both into punk music and uh, and different things. And then I got the chance to meet him in person on a trip to Reno one time. And then I actually moved to Reno in 2018 for a couple of years. So he actually lived about three miles from where I was living. So, and it was during that time that we came up with the concept of the Beer EDU podcast. It was right before I moved. He and I had been talking about trying to do something for a while. We just didn't, it, it had to be something that was just beyond two dudes talking. We, we wanted to do a podcast, but we had to have some sort of niche to it. So um, like a lot of ideas, some of your best ideas come first thing in the morning when you're barely awake and you're in the shower. And I was in the shower and I thought to myself, Ben and I both like to drink beer and we're very passionate about beer and we're both very passionate about our jobs. Why don't we do a podcast that's kind of themed around that? So I text Ben and Ben is notorious for being that person that when you text him, he doesn't get back to you for like six to eight hours. <laughs> At 530 in the morning, he got back to me within 30 seconds and said, I'm in. Oh, wow. <laughs> so likes so it, the whole idea behind it was not just beer and education, but like you have those Fridays where after a long week at school, you go to the bar with some of your colleagues and the first thing you do when you sit down, you get your beer and you say, we're not going to talk about work, but what do you end up doing anyway? You talk about work. So the podcast is kind of framed around those conversations you would have with colleagues over beers after work on a Friday. So we have a segment on there where we just, in the beginning, we, we geek out about our beer. So I do not have a beer tonight with you because a, I didn't know I was going to be able to have a beer and B I actually do got to go run errands with my son after we're done with this because um, it is still just afternoon where I'm at in Nevada or in the Pacific time zone. So we geek out about our beer. We share what we're drinking. We get into the specs of that beer and talk a little bit about it. And then we have a guest come on. And our guest, um, if they want to share a beer, great. If they're not a drinker or they don't have a beer, that's okay too. We we don't discriminate what people drink on the Beer EDU podcast. Um, Then we just have a conversation about something they're passionate about. So um, if they're passionate about uh, professional development, we can talk about that. Um, when you came on, we had a great conversation about leadership and then just really life lessons as well. And, uh, you know, that was a, a great conversation. I can't wait for round two of that at some point. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Uh, like- and then we we close the podcast out with learn about beer. So we do the teaching part where I usually do this part where I do research on a concept about beer. And then I share it with the podcast listeners to kind of build people's knowledge about beer and beer culture and everything. So it's a really nice mix of two things we're passionate about. 90% education, 10% beer, I would say. And we have a lot of fun doing it. We are uh, about 108 episodes in at this point. Wow, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of freeing having a beer on the show here. I got a chance to visit uh, the Allagash Brewery in uh, uh, Portland, Maine this summer. So this is a Belgian white here. What do you know about Belgian whites? Yeah, I know you're a beer master. What do you know about Belgian whites, Kyle? Well, first of all, I'm kind of jealous because I cannot get Allagash white out by me, and I've heard so much about that beer, and I really want to get a hold of some of that sometimes. So, But the Belgian whites are a really nice – to me, if you're not a beer drinker, it's a nice uh, starter beer because they're not super bitter like an IPA. Right. They have a fruitiness to them, so they they have a natural orange flavor to them, and then they will oftentimes, when they brew them, they will add orange peel and then coriander, the spice. They will add that in there 
for the uh, flavors as well. So you get these beers that have like these nice citrus flavors and that little bit of spiciness. And like I said, they're not like your typical beer. So someone that says, oh, I don't, I don't like beer. I would say to start with a, a Belgian white because that's a pretty good one. And uh, an easy one that many, many people have access to, um, especially here in the United States and Canada is your shock top is one of those. That's a Belgian white. And then blue moon is another right. Belgian white. So uh, yeah. Two great um, choices right there. And then you got that Allagash White I've never had. But like I said, I've heard tons of great stuff about it. I need to get a hold of it sometime. We need When we get together, yeah, maybe you come to the East Coast here. We'll, get, we'll, we'll try it out. But, man, you you know what you're talking about. You you you, you know your beer. Um, so it's kind of freeing to have it. But another aspect that you have on the show is that you're with a co-host. Now, you're a, you're a special education teacher. You co-teach with other professionals during the day. You and Ben Dixon had such a such a, a give and take. It really played off each other. What what's that like doing it with a co-host? I think it really boils down to we were friends first, and how getting to know one another, becoming friends, and then having a lot of those same interests. I, I think really helped that dynamic out. So uh, the first couple of episodes of the show, I mean, and, and this is with anything, you're getting a feel for one another and trying to work out when can we record how often do we want to record and what's our publishing schedule going to be like so i would say for the first like 10 episodes we didn't really have a system down for that we were i thought we were producing good content but we would produce an episode and publish it like as soon as we got done recording i would edit and publish but then we wouldn't do anything for like three weeks mm -hmm. so we finally decided we, we had to come up with some sort of system and yeah. a publishing schedule that way not, not that we necessarily need like, you know, the thousand subscribers and to monetize, make money off the podcast, which we we don't monetize and we don't plan to monetize. This is strictly something we do for fun. But we felt that if we really wanted to get our message out and the message of our guests out, that we had to be consistent with it. So then we started publishing on Saturdays. And for a long time, we were publishing one every Saturday. So we were doing we were recording quite a bit. Well, then yep. it just got to the point where we just couldn't record that often. So what was happening was we were trying to record like say eight episodes over Christmas break and then stagger them out to publish over the next eight weeks. And it just got to be a little bit much. So now we do a bi-monthly or by, or excuse me, bi-weekly publishing now. So every two weeks, and okay. that gives us a little more time to where if we have two or three in the can, that's still six weeks out. So if we don't record now for like a month, we're still okay. And then yeah. we can always, get one for later on and then every now and then he and i will just do an episode ourselves where uh we like to do those like towards the end of the year uh like going into the summer we'll do one just the two of us uh we haven't done one for the beginning of the school year this year we usually do that we haven't done one of those yet so every now and then we'll do those and then we'll kick a bonus episode every now and then where we'll have a conversation that just kind of comes up with somebody that's like we really need to get this out now so yeah. right after January 6th, uh, we had an old colleague of mine from when I lived in Reno. Um, he was doing amazing things in the classroom in regards to teaching about white nationalism and the dangers of that. So we kicked a bonus episode out after January 6th. Uh, mm. So we felt that was really timely. Uh, so we just, yeah, we just, we have a lot of fun with it and our dynamic is great. And now, especially after 108 episodes, you know, we kind of got it down. So yeah. I, I can't go as far as saying we could do it in our sleep, but uh, like I said, we, we could probably do 
an episode uh, very ill-prepared and still could kick out a pretty high-quality episode. <laughs> uh, you were very user-friendly. You guys were great hosts. It was fun, uh, and I enjoyed it. And, yeah, you could have a, uh, have a beer on it, which was cool as well. Um, Kyle, in addition to that, right, you're an educator. You're a former athlete, coach, doing all these things related to education. But you put pen to paper, and here it is. Uh, to the Edge, right? And uh, this is with Edumatch Publishing. Uh, shout out to Sarah Thomas and, and their their leader here. But uh, tell me about the passion behind this. Your, you know, your 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 drive behind this, and uh, uh, you know, why'd you write the book? So I've always been someone that has enjoyed writing. Uh, I can think back as far as to when I was a little kid. You know, you get the scraps of paper, and then maybe the cardboard off an old book or a box or something like that and just kind of make books. I, I can remember doing that as a kid. And then into high school, I remember taking the English classes I took. I didn't like doing the the tests, the, uh, the multiple choice type test. But when a teacher assigned an essay or a research paper, I was I was all over those things. So yeah. I was the person that if it had to be a two to three page essay, I would write five pages because I just oh. love to write. And then even when I got to college, when it came time for research papers, I, that was that was my thing. And I also, if they gave me a month to do it, I would have it done by the end of the first weekend because I just I love to write. Oh, and wow. then um, dating myself a little bit here, uh, perhaps you had this as well. But when MySpace was a thing, they had a blog function on MySpace and I used that blog function and I was writing a blog on there and then. I got rid of my MySpace years ago, but I, I wish I had access to it because I'd love to go back and see what I wrote yeah. back 15 years ago or whatever it was. But um, I started a blog up back in 2015 again. So it's a, one that I still have. It's at uh, www.andersonedtech.net. Started out as kind of a, a blog about educational technology, but then blossomed into a lot more about pedagogy and then current events and uh, pop culture a little bit. Uh, sometimes I get a little political on there, so I'll share some opinions, but but it's definitely more education. 98% uh, education is what my blog is. So, but I've been writing that now for almost six years, and uh, I think I've written about 160 posts or something like that in that time. Uh, so just something I really love to do. And then for it got to a point where I'd been writing it for a couple of years, and I thought, you know, I wonder if I could turn this blog into a book, you know? So my first thought was if you've ever listened to the podcast, the way I heard it with Mike Rowe, where he basically took his podcast stories and then published them as a book with some uh, side stories mixed in as well. So that was kind of what I was thinking at the time. I'm like, maybe I can take my blog and turn that into a book. Well, then I thought, well, then why would anybody buy a book when they can just go on andersonedtech.net and just read everything I wrote there? So I kind of scrapped that idea. Well, then I was having a conversation with a gentleman named Randall Sampson. So he is the author of a book called Welcome to the Grind. And I was kind of picking his brain a little bit about his whole process and like what inspired him to write the book and, and whatnot. And I kind of told him some ideas I had um, in regards to writing. And he said, hey, anytime you want to get this thing going, you just let me know and I'll, you know, I'll support you 100%. So I started thinking a little bit more about what could I write about that that would be useful to somebody? Like if somebody read this, that they would be inspired by it. So, and I got to thinking about my career as an educator. And I like to joke around that if you look at my resume, it looks like I can't hold on to a job because 
I had a stint where I was in one school for five years and then I was in a school for the next six years. But then there's this starting in 2016, I have like five different jobs there. I have technology coach. I have middle school dean um, administrator. I have PE coach. I have special education teacher and then special education teacher at another school. So there's this like five, six year period of my life. Like this guy can't keep a job. Like what is this? And I decided that that was the idea for my book where in my life, I have tried a lot of different things. I have, I have not thrown, I've not thrown caution in the wind. I've just tried different stuff out and whether it was successful or if I failed at it, I picked myself up and moved on and learned from it. So I decided to take that concept and rewind all the way back going into high school, different times in my life where I've tried something, taken a risk and just tried something. And then what did I learn from it? And what has it done to shape me as a person today? So I start the book out talking about my decision of what I'm going to do with my life after high school. So, and for some people it's easy. Oh, I'm going to go to college. Oh, I'm going to go to the military. Oh, I'm just going to work. I'm going to do all this stuff. I had four or five different things that I realistically could have done and all of them would have probably been a really good choice. And I agonized over it. And as an 18 year old high school senior, you're already in just all sorts of like, what am I going to do with myself? And your mind's all over the place. And then on top of that, I'm agonizing over all these decisions. And ultimately the choice I made took me to college where I played football for four years. And then I take a look at throughout college, some of the stuff that happened in college. I played football for four years. I still have a fifth year of eligibility if I wanted it right now. I'm not sure if there's any college out there looking for a 40 year old tight end. Let me know. I got one year of eligibility left. So, but I ended up quitting football and that was an agonizing decision. So throughout my life, there's been all these crossroads of things I've had to sometimes agonize about, sometimes just make the decision and go. And what did it do for me? What kind of a person am I now because of that? And then I get into the book with some very personal stuff, some personal demons that I was dealing with for a very long time and how I dealt with that. And just putting that on paper was a risk in itself because mental health, mental illness, depression, those kinds of things, those are very touchy subjects for some people still. And there's a lot of judgment around that. So just putting that out there was a risk, but just all those different things, how they've built me up to what I am now. And the whole idea was if I can share my story of all these different things I've done, if I could get one person to read this and be inspired to go try something new, something that they may not have tried to do before that, then I've done my job. And I just, I love hearing, we were talking a little bit before we recorded and, you know, just hearing the kind words from you, Andrew, about my book. And then like other people that have gotten a hold of me and said like how that something in the book really resonated with them. And now they're doing this. And it's just been, it's just been a whirlwind ever since the book came out in March of 2020. And I, I can't be more thankful for everybody that has gotten something from my story. Yeah. And you wrote it as a story, right? I didn't feel like you were talking at me. Uh, I felt like uh, I was watching a movie almost and I could hear your voice because I had met you. Right. And I almost like you were telling me the story. Uh, Kyle, let me ask you this. It's not on our question list. But you talk about a lot of the things you did, right? You went here, this, you tried the things you did. 
what have you learned by writing this book about the decisions that you didn't make or the decisions that you, the risks that you said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to pass on that. How about the stuff where you didn't do it? I've been listening to this podcast a lot lately called the One Life, One Chance podcast. Um, it's hosted by a guy named Toby Morris. He's the lead singer for a band called H2O. And he interviews a lot of people that he grew up with in the punk scene and skateboarding and different things in his life and whatever. And one of the questions he asks on that podcast is, what regrets do you have in your life? And the reason I, I, I'm referencing this is because that's what I feel like the answer to this question is, is that if I look back on the times where I chose to do something else, I don't like to do that because then it looks like a regret. And I am the person I am today, regardless of the decision I made, whether it was, you know, just amazing, all rainbows and unicorns came out of it, or if it just blew up in my face. So, you know, for example, if I would have chosen rather than going to college and playing football, one of my choices was to enlist in the United States Naval Academy. Where would I be now if I would have done that? Sure, a lot of great things probably would have happened, but at the same time, I wouldn't have uh, met my roommate that I am still to this day. He is my brother and uh, I miss him dearly every day because he is 2000 miles away and, you know, I have to rely on texts and phone calls. I would not have met my wife and I would not probably be where I am right now in a great career in a city that I would have never dreamed I would have lived in. So growing up in Northern Michigan, surrounded by snow for eight months of the year. Now I'm surrounded by desert and hundred degree temperatures for eight months of the year. And so I, I, I know that it feels like a cop-out answer, but I just, I truly feel that by looking back on those, it's almost like it's regret. And I don't like to look back on things in regret. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you know, that question you hear a lot and it's, it's a lot of the times the answers are the things they didn't do. Uh, you've done these things, you've moved, you've tried different things. You tried administration. You did it for about six months and you realized it wasn't for you. Tell me about that journey and what made you change there. So at the time, I, I had been a technology coach for about six months and no, nothing against any of the people that I worked with in my school, but I, I truly felt like I was underutilized as a technology coach. I felt like I spent a lot of time in my office trying to come up with things. And whenever I did try to go to classrooms, I, nobody seemed to want my help. So uh, when the opportunity came to move into administration, I, you know, looking back on it now in hindsight, I feel like it may have just been like frustration with my job as a tech coach at the time. Yeah. So I perhaps maybe jumped into administration a little bit quicker than I had really probably should have. So I got into it and the first three months or so uh, were okay. Um, I'd never worked in middle school before. So getting used to middle school students. Um, middle school students are way different than the high school students that I'm used to working with. Um, so that, that was definitely an adjustment. And then just the constant go, 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 um, being at school as a teacher, you're talking like maybe eight, nine hour days. Um, now all of a sudden I was doing like 14 hour days and that was an adjustment and that didn't get any better. And I was really struggling with my duties that were assigned and balancing everything, you know, even spending 14, sometimes 16 hours at school in a day. And uh, I was not in a good place mentally at that time. That yeah. the, if when you read the book, uh, this is where 
you know, when I talk about mental illness and depression and whatnot, this really came to a head around this time as well, whether it was because of my just struggles as an administrator, or if it was just everything that kind of had just boiled up from all the years of just holding everything in, I don't know. But it got to the point where one day I was called into my principal's office to discuss something that had taken place at the school the day before. And she said something to me that really just to this day, when I think about it, it just, it just hurts. It hurts to hear it. And because I, I never heard somebody say something like this to me before when she told me that when I interviewed and the people she talked to, I showed a lot of promise, but that at this point she felt that my hiring had been a mistake. Oof. And at that point, even if, even if, my principal had been willing to try to work with me to help me to improve and to figure out like, what can I do to be in a better mental place? At that point, I felt that there was no, like, I had lost her trust. And in a situation like that, earning that trust back, I, I didn't feel was something that was possible. Yeah. So I requested to go back to the classroom at that point. And, and what also hurt was not only the words that she said to me, but it also hurt to think that that was the first job I ever truly quit. So, I worked at a restaurant for two and a half years in high school. I quit that job, but it was because I left to go to college. I worked at another restaurant in college for two and a half, three years. I quit that job because I got a teaching job. I got my career at that point. And then I've, I've switched schools, but I never truly quit a job before. So thinking about that, I, I, I felt like a failure. I had never felt that way before. Uh, in regards to a job. So, uh, so leaving administration to go back to the classroom, I just, I felt like a failure for a lot of reasons. And that was one of them about how I'd never truly quit a job. So I'm in a much better place now. I love what I'm doing. I've not ruled out returning to administration someday. At the time, my kids were very young. My son was two and my daughter was five. So perhaps later on down the road, when the kids are older and are a little more self-sufficient, maybe I'll make a return to administration. But right now, like I said, I'm in a really good place as an educator and uh, it's not something that crosses my mind real often. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Kyle. Again, vulnerability, talking about your risks, the things you've done. Uh, I give you a lot of credit for doing that because a lot of people are afraid to talk about that kind of stuff. So good for you. How about now, Kyle, Kyle, this again, you're saying you're in a good spot. You're happy where you are. What are some things that you do to sharpen your saw, continue to grow and, and advance yourself and, and be the best you can be? What are, what are some techniques you do? Well, I'm, I'm very active on social media. Um, I don't post as much right now. Uh, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of lurking. So, but I learn from social media. I still listen to a lot of podcasts. I have a 30 minute commute, so I have time to listen to some podcasts on my commute. And um, I try to stay up on a lot of different things in regards to educational technology and pedagogy and whatnot. Uh, I'm very fortunate that I can go out and present to other educators at times. Um, I just recently got to present in front of teachers in person for the first time again. That was a very strange feeling walking in front yeah. of people again to, to do that. So it was right before school started and I was working with students. So so that actually kind of eased me back into students uh, once again. Um, so I, I've got that going on for me. Uh, selfishly, 
my podcast, Ben and I joke, we keep that thing going so we can learn from other people. It's Absolutely. not so much about, you know, putting this podcast out. It's more about like he and I getting stuff from educators like yourself and then stealing from them. So yeah. we do that. And I actually have a second podcast I do with uh, my friend Joe Marquez, the podcast uh, by Sons of Technology, where that one is focused more on the educational technology piece, whereas Beer EDU is just education in general. So between those two things, I mean, it's a, I, I get a lot from both of those things. And then I, I keep up on writing my blog, not as well as I used to, because let's face it, after a year and a half of like virtual learning and COVID protocols and whatnot, last thing I want to do after nine hours on a computer is sit down and stare at the screen some more. So, yeah. uh, so the writing has calmed down a little bit, but um, I do try to keep up on that. And then I do have the idea that I would like to do a second to the edge book um, where instead of the focus being on my story, maybe bringing in some others and having chapters written by others to have their stories be told about risk taking as well. So uh, nice. um, yeah, a lot on my plate, but um, I keep myself sharp um, physically. Um, I'm on my Peloton bike quite often and I get to play hockey on Sunday nights and I'm actually starting to team up on a Thursday night now so I can uh, get on the ice and uh, slap the puck around a little bit. You still like that contact all these years later. <laughs> well, these are supposed to be no contact leagues, but uh, you know, as a almost 40 year old man, I don't, I don't have the legs I once did. And, uh, you know, you get checked into the boards. It's not a three second uh, recovery. It's about a three day recovery now. So you got to take it somewhat easy. Uh, for our viewers watching live, you want to jump in with a question uh, for Kyle or myself, uh, please do. Kyle is an open book. He shares. Um, I'll tell you about the writing. One of the things I like to do, I like to walk early, Kyle, again, trying to be active, you know, talk to text, right? If you're on the Peloton, Sometimes you're sweating, those those endorphins are coming. Try it if you don't do it already. But the talk to text is a great, uh, you know, you got to do some editing afterwards. But that helps me when I think of something, but I want to exercise. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, Google Keep is on my phone specifically for stuff like that. So uh, I've done plenty of times where I've been out walking. I've had an idea for something and just pull up that Google Keep note, punch something in, and then I've got it. So definitely a good idea to do that. Kyle, we're coming down the stretch here. Um, before we go to rapid fire, was there something I didn't ask you that you wanted to touch on or that you wanted to share with the audience? Not necessarily. Uh, just, uh, you know, kind of going back to my story and, and the book and everything. I, I mean, I first of all, I would appreciate listeners if you wanted to check it out. You, know, you can find it on Amazon, um, to the edgeedu.com. You can find it on as well. But, um, Regardless if you purchase the book or not, uh, I just give yourself a little bit of grace and, and give yourself the the ability just to try something new. It doesn't have to be pack up your belongings and move all the way across the country and start fresh somewhere. I mean, it could be as simple as you haven't tried something in your classroom yet. So there's this new tool that's out and everybody's talking about how great it is, but you've never used it. Even trying something like that, something simple like that, because the worst thing that could happen is you fail at it. And then guess what? You can learn something from it about how to better it next time around. So I just really hope that uh, by this conversation we've had, uh, we've inspired some people to try something new out there. Absolutely. It's not the amount of times you fail that counts. It's the amount of times you succeed and just keep on rolling. So uh, thank you for sharing that, Kyle. And again, I give you credit, right? It's not just the successes. You're not celebrating all the wins. It's some challenges that you went through and 
uh, look where you've landed. So good for you. I think that's an interesting concept that you have about your second idea. Uh, and I'm sure you would get some uh, some great guests to be part of that. I would be happy to be part of that. We'll definitely talk about that. This uh, idea comes to fruition. Yeah, cool. Well, let's get to rapid fire. Kyle, I know you got stuff on your plate uh, and it's getting late here in the Northeast. But here we go. Are you ready? Let's do it. Here we go. Last book you read. Uh, do what you want. Um, it is a biography about the band Bad Religion, the history of them forming as a punk band in the uh, in the valley outside Los Angeles, and then all the way up through their latest album that came out in 2019. So it was a really interesting story. And then, uh, you know, it, it made me follow up to buy some other biographies on punk bands as well. So, oh, cool. Last movie you saw. Oh, man, uh, I haven't watched a new one in quite a while. So I'm actually going to go with uh, the last show that I watched, like binged and went all the way through. And that was Barry on HBO. Uh, Bill Hader is a contract uh, hitman, uh, but then he attends an acting class and he's trying to balance being a hitman and a <laughs> aspiring actor. It's it's a dark comedy. It's hilarious. Okay. Favorite place to travel? Oh, favorite place on earth would have to be Yellowstone National Park. And just the wildlife, the scenery, uh, the fishing. Uh, it was about 10 years ago, some buddies and I, we spent a week there just fishing and camping and drinking beer. And it, we, we've always talked about going back, but now again, we're all in our 40s now. So I'm not sure how, how well we could pull it off now. That's wow. wow, that's beautiful. You mentioned punk music. You have a passion for music. So, uh, I mean, is, would you say, is that your favorite music? Uh, punk, hard rock, metal, definitely. Uh, those are what I grew up on, and uh, you know that's what I still listen to. I don't listen to a lot of new stuff, even even the new uh, rock and metal. I don't listen to a lot of stuff. I just I like to stick to what I know and love, and uh, uh, mostly for the nostalgia and thinking like, oh, I remember doing this when I heard this song one time, that kind of thing. The perfect podcast guest is anybody that comes on and is willing to share something that they're passionate about and does it with enthusiasm. So uh, whenever we have people come on, we tell them ahead of time that, that we don't have a scripted conversation. It, it just flows. And uh, we ask questions as they come. And 99% uh, of our guests come on and we have a great conversation. And and th those are the perfect guests right there. I love it. And I love that it was, yeah, it was just a conversation. We have some questions here, but uh, that was it was really different. And uh, again, you guys do a great job. Thank you. Um, Kyle, you shared some passions, some things you've done. What's a pet peeve of yours? Something that gets under your skin? When people make excuses about not wanting to try to do something or whenever things start to get a little bit tough and just start complaining about things. So yeah. uh, my whole thing, and I'm not saying I don't complain. I have times where I complain, I get frustrated about things. But 90% of the time, I, I try to keep an open mind about things. And I just get really frustrated with negativity and complaining when it, when it comes to when the times get tough. Goatee grooming tip. Oh, um, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert at this by any means. So um, first of all, uh, I, I'm not as old as I look. I'm 39. I'll be 40 next month. I got a lot of gray for those that are watching. So that I blame that on my mom's side of the family. They all went gray super early. But um, if you are going to keep a longer go to your beard, invest in beard shampoo and conditioner. So 
it's a lot better than just like your standard, like say Pert Plus or Suave that you would use on your head or something like that. Uh, and the stuff that I have has like mentholiptus in it. So it makes your face all tingly when you use it. And then I have this, I don't get to use it much right now. I don't, if I got to wear a mask, I'm not putting the balm in, but I have this really great balm that I used to shape it and whatnot. So uh, <laughs> lots of reasons why I'm looking forward to not wearing masks again, but being able to actually use the product in my beard will be nice. <laughs> that was a great answer. I had no idea what you were going to say. Uh, I, I showed you my beer. Uh, what's your beer of choice? I am a person that I don't drink the beer, same beer twice in a row. Usually I, I like to try a lot of different things. Uh, if I absolutely had to narrow it down to one beer though, where you're at the grocery store, you're at the gas station, whatever it is, and you have to get one Sierra Nevada pale ale is probably one of my absolute favorites. Uh, but I am a fan of all kinds of beer. Um, and I go in stints, like in the, uh, for the summertime, I'm not drinking a lot of IPAs, even though that's one of my favorite styles. I'm drinking a lot more lagers and like your Belgian whites and lighter beers because it's so hot. But yeah. then come wintertime, I like my IPAs. I like my stouts. Uh, I like my barrel-aged ones with uh, you know whiskey barrel-aged beers. Those are always great. And then right now, uh, one of my local brewers here in Las Vegas, they have an English bitter on tap that is just incredible and uh i'm gonna have to go back there this weekend and get some more before it runs out there you go saturday morning at 8 a.m i feel um if i've gotten up and gone for a walk like i like to do on saturdays at that point i feel sweaty because uh right now it's super hot but um if i haven't gotten up usually um i've got a cup of coffee in hand and i'm relaxed so I, I will go with that 8 a.m on a saturday i'm relaxed nice your go-to stress reliever I would have to say music and exercise so I can get on my, the Peloton or um, I can take out a lot of frustrations at hockey. When I do that, going for a walk, listening to music, um, especially if it's a really fast paced, aggressive sounding uh, song uh, that that'll that really helps me out a lot. Nice. Best purchase under 100 bucks that has had a great impact on your life. Oh, wow. That is an excellent question. So. I would have to say that my microphone, my blue Yeti microphone that I use for podcasting was just under a hundred dollars. It was like 99 bucks and change. So it counts, there you go. but there you go. the sound quality from this microphone is so much better than what I had before. And because I have a hundred and eight episodes of beer edu and we've, we're approaching 70 on my other pod so we'll call it close to 200 episodes of podcast this, this thing has done me very well for that awesome awesome kyle you mentioned about where they can hear some of the podcast what's the best way for people to get in touch with you so you can find me on twitter and instagram both at anderson edtech uh you can find me on AndersonEdTech.net with the blog. My book website is to the edge And then the podcast, the Beer EDU podcast, and then the podcast by Sons of Technology. Uh, we have websites for those as well, beeredupodcast.com and sons of technology edu.com. Or, or excuse me, that's actually our Twitter handle, the Sons of Tech EDU, uh, Sons of Technology.com for the websites. Um, and then those can be found on all the podcast apps wherever you listen. Uh, check those out subscribe we would love to 
uh, have you listen and give some feedback. And uh, we don't do guests on Sons of Technology, but on Beer EDU, if you're interested in possibly being a guest with us, we have a form on our website. Uh, fill that out and uh, we'll get a hold of you and get you on to talk about something you're passionate about and have a beer with you as well. I love it. I love it. Kyle, this was great. Um, do you have a quote you want to end this with? Is something that, that, that really resonates with you? You know, I, you, you sent that to me ahead of time and I was trying to think of something that where I guess I'm just, I'm not much of a quote guy, I, I guess. Okay. So, I mean, inspiring people for sure. So people that I've worked with, my dad is a huge influence on me. Um, I, I'm fortunate I'm going to be able to get to spend a lot more time with him um, in the winters because he and my mom are retired and going to be moving to Las Vegas to snowbird it here instead of staying in Michigan. Um, and then different people, like I guess you could call celebrities or athletes or whatever, you're looking up to them. So, But in regards to quotes, not really. I'm more of like a actions uh, inspiration kind of guy. Yeah. Well, you're doing it, man. You're doing it. You're teaching, you're writing, you're doing a podcast. Uh, you're talking about not only your wins, uh, but your challenges. So I give you that. Uh, guys, check this out. You want to read a great story? Here it is to the edge. Edumatch Publishing. Um, Kyle, this was great. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. We're going to send you some Havsies cookies. Guys, you want to uh, you want to try a new cookie? Check it out. Look how thick those are. Uh, Marada 15 is your discount code. Kyle, I'll, uh, I'll text you. Make sure I get your address here. Uh, but we're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. It was show number 174. Uh, Kyle, it's been great to talk with you. Man, thank you so much. This has been incredible. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Kyle. Enjoy the time with your son. I know you're going out. Uh, guys, no, no, no tuning out music tonight. I don't have my equipment. Uh, so I'm going to sign off here. If I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out at Andrew Murata 21 uh, and keep rolling, everybody. Kyle, stay on the line a sec. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bam.